Today on IFS Talks, we are speaking with Terry Reel about his new book, Us, Getting Past You and Me to Build a More Loving Relationship. This book will be released on June 7th in the coming week. Terrence Reel is an internationally recognized family therapist, speaker, and author. He founded the Relational Life Institute, offering workshops for couples, individuals, and parents along with a professional training program for clinicians to learn his relational life therapy methodology. He's also the best-selling author of I Don't Want to Talk About It, How Can I Get Through to You, and The New Rules of Marriage. By way of introduction, I wanted to read a few words about the book from its foreword, written by Bruce Springsteen. Bruce writes, Terry's writing is loving and kind, clever and strong, and he's written a beautiful and important book, particularly for the moment we're in. It helps lead the way to a more powerful and noble society based on the tenets of love, justice, and respect. He's laid out a process by which we can begin to understand our place in our families and our society. Terry, thank you so much for the gift of your book and for being here with us today. Beautiful to be here with you both. Thank you for having me. Welcome back, Terry, and many congratulations on your most recent achievements. The 2022 Summit Healing Power of Relationship that is just taking place now in May, June, so still going on, right? Yes. Such a great topic and event with so many amazing speakers joining. You are also preparing for the coming as workshop live. Terry, can we have a closer look at this new coming event, the as workshop live? Could you tell us more about these modules? Let me just say in general, I'm very excited to do the US workshop. It's for uh, both therapists and what I like to call normal people, uh, both therapists and the general public. Uh, it's both for couples and individuals. And it really follows the book, the uh, US uh, Getting Past You and Me to Build a More Loving Relationship book. I start with neurobiology. I start with the brain and talk about how, um, you know, my model is not exactly the same. Dick and I have been clear about this, Uh, but uh, in many ways, very resonant with IFS. Uh, I speak about three parts of the human psyche. Uh, The uh, wise adult part of us, prefrontal cortex, Mm -hmm. the mature part of the brain, uh, with similarities to Dick's uh, idea of self. Yes. The uh, wounded child part of us, uh, which is similar to uh, IFS's exiles, and the adaptive child uh, part yes. of us, similar to protectors and managers. Where we start, you know, people say relationships take work, but they never tell you what it is. And in the book and in the workshop, I'm clear about this. The work mm-hmm. of intimacy is not day-to-day, it's minute-to-minute. Mm-hmm. In this minute, which part of me is going to be there? Is it going to be the present-based, non-flooded, 
thoughtful part of me that can use relational skills that can be intimate? Or is it going to be the flooded, wounded child part of me that is just overwhelmed? Or most likely, will it be the adaptive child part of me, the part of me that learned to cope with the flooding of the wound? You know, uh, I often quote Gabor Mate uh, when he says, in relationships, you rarely see the wound, you see the scar. And in our relationships, we don't see the wounded child uh, a lot. Uh, what we see is the adaptive child that comes in to deal with uh, uh, the situation where we're wounded. And it's the adaptive child part of us, knee-jerk response, automatic, uh, trauma-based, uh, that uh, does the same old, same old thing in your relationships over and over again, preventing you from getting more of what you want. So the first skill in the US workshop is getting to know these three parts of us and uh, beginning to, I call it, shake hands with the adaptive child. Mm -hmm. Learn about your particular profile, uh, what your particular adaptive child looks like, feels like, what uh, losing strategies that part of you will tend to do when triggered, and the key skill uh, of the workshop and the skill in the book, what I call the ER skill, the proto skill, the skill from which all other skills depend, is what I call relational mindfulness. That you can, with practice, cultivate the must build the muscle, cultivate the skill of in the heated moment, shift, mm -hmm. taking a break taking 10 breaths or 50, walking around the block. I'm a big fan of taking physical space and doing what you need to do to come out of the adaptive child part of you back into the wise adult part of you and then going back into your relationship seated in that wise adult and using those skills. That is the skill that precedes all the other skills, because the adaptive child part of us, uh, protectors and managers, has no interest in using relational skills. You and me consciousness, the adaptive child, is about you versus me, win-lose, I'm going to survive, and it loses the wisdom of relationship. It loses the wisdom of we're a team. And so the first skill is what I call remembering love, getting yourself centered when you're triggered, remembering that the person you're speaking to is someone you care about. And the reason why you're speaking is to make things better. And so the first module is about getting to know the lay of the land and beginning to develop the skill of shifting uh, out of being in those triggered parts of the brain into the wiser, more thoughtful parts of the brain in the moment when you're heated. I love Dick's phrase, uh, you don't speak from a part, you speak for a part. And that's the shift I'm talking about, moving out of the adaptive child into the wise. What adult. a beautiful challenge. And then the other four modules 
really move into a deeper dive. The first module is sort of the overview. And then the other four modules are a deeper dive into exactly how to do that and what that looks like. love the quote you use in the book from Krishnamurti that says, true liberation is freedom from our automatic responses. That illustrates your point so well. But then you take it a step further. Um, and I, I enjoyed your book so thoroughly. It was very readable, relatable. Um, it, it dove into educational pieces and then pieces of your work with, with your own clients. Um, but then you move into um, really thinking, having your clients think about what their individuality means uh, in terms of how it's affecting their relationship, how it's affecting their place in society. And the way that you illustrate the individuality versus relational sense of being in the world was, was really illuminating for me and I was grateful you highlighting that could you speak more to that yeah thank you tisha the book is uh can be described as a critique of what i call the toxic culture of individualism uh in our society and i'm really proud at um the way the book works at multi levels um let me just say this and one of the chapters is the history of the idea of individualism. You know, individualism is not written in stone. It's not part of nature. It did not come from God. The idea of individual, medieval people didn't think of themselves as individuals, for example. Um, the idea of individualism was cooked up uh, by a bunch of uh, uh, gentry white men uh, during the Enlightenment period. Yep. The idea of individualism fueled the American Revolution and the French Revolution. And there's a lot of good in the idea of individualism, but it's an idea with a history. Yeah. What we know from uh, newer developments in biology is it's a myth. There is no such thing as a freestanding individual. Neurobiologically, we co-regulate one another all day long. The human being is a pack animal. Neurobiologically, we are not freestanding individuals. That is a uh, a cultural idea. And what I say is the essence of uh, individualism is I'm an individual. I stand apart from nature. That's what the word individual means. I'm apart and irreducible. Um, and that fuses with the culture of patriarchy, which I've been writing about for 40 years. And between the two, the delusion is this. I am not in nature. I am above nature. I stand apart as an individual. I am apart from nature and I dominate it. I control it. This is insane. Whether the nature I am attempting to control is my spouse, my kids, my body, I've got to lose 10 pounds, my mind, I've got to be less negative. Whether the nature I'm trying to control is uh, society. Uh, I've got to. Uh, I've got to stop immigrants from uh, ruining my country. 
whether it's about. And one of the things that I am proud of in the book is I start with neurobiology. I move into relationship, close the sexual intimate relationship, which is the bulk of the book. But in the last third of the book, I talk about the consequences of this control and power model to our society. I think currently democracy is literally at risk to our planet. If we don't understand that we are in nature and not above it, we are going to leave our grandchildren a miserable planet. And to spirit, it cuts us off from the larger whole. So the book starts with what goes on in the brain, moves into how to live relationally in our personal relationships, but then fades out to uh, racism, uh, homophobia, patriarchy, uh, our relationship to nature, to the planet, and to spirit. It's all the same thing. If we don't trade in the delusion of power and control, for a model of cooperation and humility, uh, we're going to screw things up at every level that we touch. Yeah. And still, it's so difficult for us to make this movement from one individual and patriarchal perspective into one, one more connected and spiritual as you are inviting through the book and through the workshop still is such a challenge for our systems. Anyway, Terry, we can find so much wisdom right in the titles of your book's chapters. We can immediately see how your book debugs the best medicines for a better relational life. And I'd like you to walk us through the main ideas or concepts behind those amazing titles. You just speak for the first chapter. Which version of you shows up to your relationship? This is such a challenge, isn't it? Yes. The reactive, what Dan Siegel calls the reactive brain versus the integrated brain. What Dick would call uh, a, uh, a protector or a manager uh, versus your uh, being self-led. And um, when we are, this is where trauma is so central, right? Uh, we scan our, our autonomic nervous system, scans our body four times a second. Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? If the answer is I'm safe, we stay seated in that wise adult. If the answer is I'm in danger, we move into first the wound and then the adaptation. And we bring that adaptation into the relationship and screw things up royally. So uh, which part of you shows up uh, for your relationships is where we begin. And how to shift from the triggered reactive part of you to the settled, mature part. You know, I gave workshops around the country for years and my favorite slide is this one. Other workshops teach you skills. We deal with the part of you that won't use them. Oh, yes. <laughs> so wise, yes. It's not enough to know. There, There is the, this concept um, in your work with couples where you talk about being right versus being emotionally present for the other person. 
so how do we how do we learn to act relationally? Well, to, to begin, uh, it, it, you start with a new map. Uh, our, you you trade in uh, this idea of you versus me. One wins, one loses. Zero sum power struggle for the wisdom of we're a team. We're working on this together. So, and that's where we start. We start with a new map. So for example, from a relational perspective, the answer to the question, who's right and who's wrong is who cares? It doesn't matter. What matters is how are we going to work together in a way that's going to work for both of us? And when you, I teach my clients to shift their thinking from thinking individualistically, who's right, who's wrong, to thinking like a team. How are we going to work this out? For example, you're a reckless driver. No, I'm not. I'm aggressive. No, honey, you're reckless. No, I'm aggressive. Yeah. That's, a, uh, that's a battle over who's right and who's wrong. Let's shift it to this. Sweetheart, you may not think you're a reckless driver, but when I drive with you and you tailgate and you go fast and you switch lanes and you do all those things, I get myself feeling really scared. I know you love me. As a favor to me, when I'm in the car, could you change and be a more conservative driver so that I don't have to feel so scared? Oh, baby, I don't want you to feel scared. Sure. End of problem. There's the emotionally present. Is he a reckless driver or not? That can go on for the next 50 years. Would you change your driving for my sake so I could be more present with you? Sure, baby, I'll do that. That's thinking relationally. And why, Terry, people get so, or they feel so at risk to not being right. What is this about? Well, in the book and in the workshop, uh, I talk about, uh, you know, getting to know your adaptive child part. And uh, I speak of five losing strategies. And it, this is your particular profile for your adaptive child. What your adaptive child will go to every time you're triggered. And the first one is the one we've been talking about, being right. We will solve this when we determine which of us is right and which of us is wrong. Yeah. Very common. Good luck. Don't hold your breath. Yeah. The second one is controlling your partner. I will be happy if only you would, dot, dot, dot. Also a losing strategy. The third one, which we therapists have really contributed to, I call unbridled self-expression ventilating uh you did this two weeks ago you did that a year ago you did that you always you never you are a yeah. blah oh, i call it the barf bag approach to yeah. intimacy i feel so much better now well i don't so uh being right is a loser controlling your partner is a loser ventilating is a loser retaliation is the fourth losing strategy i'm going to make you hurt the way you made me hurt And withdrawal is the fifth losing strategy. I'm going to shut down. Now, the three of us, it might be fun if you're up for it, 
Uh, I know, guys, that 364 days out of the year, you're in your wise adult self-led part. But that one day when you're triggered and you'll lose it, what, what is your losing strategy? Are you willing to out yourself? Being right, control, ventilating, retaliating, or withdrawal, either one or some combination of those. Yeah. Yeah, clearly withdrawal for me. Shut down. I'm leaving. I don't need a relationship. I'm actually better alone. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. It's a tough one, yes. How about you, Anna? Oh, I could pick any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I could embody go-to? any of them. I've been there in all of them. You do all of them, yeah. So it's good to get to know these things. And the reason why we do them is because this adaptive child part of us believes that our lives depend on it. It's literally about survival. And it has everything to do with your childhood and your trauma and how you learned to adapt to that trauma. You know, I, I have a saying I teach my students. Uh, always be respectful of the exquisite intelligence of the adaptive child. You did exactly what you needed to do back then to preserve yourself. But that was then. This is now. Uh, it's time to learn some new. Can, can I tell you a story illustrating this idea? Yes, please. Please. Yeah, this comes right out of the book. And, and uh, it's the story I always use uh, for, for this. So if you've heard it, forgive me, but it's, it's so perfect. True story. Couple on the brink of divorce. You know, that's my specialty, is couples on the brink of divorce. <laughs> Couple on the brink of divorce. Reason, the man is a chronic pathological liar. Lies about everything, large and small. Okay. I talked to him. He's the kind of guy I say to him, the sky is blue. He says, well, it's aquamarine. He's not going to give it to me, right? So after five minutes, I have this guy, we call it his relational stance. The the thing that his adoptive child does in the relationship over and over again. And what I have is this guy has got a black belt in evasion. Tell him the sky is blue. He'll say it's aquamarine. He's not going to land on it with you. He's a, he's a champion evader. So then I ask him a question. And if you're not thinking relationally, it seems like, wow, that's brilliant therapy. How did you come up with that? But when you think relationally, it's easy. I have a saying, show me the thumbprint and I'll tell you about the thumb. Show me the adaptation and I'll tell you about what the person was adapting to. So he's an evader. So I ask him, who tried to control you growing up? Sure enough, his father, military man, how he ate, how he drank, how he sat, his friends, his courses, everything. I say to him, how did you cope with this controlling father? He looks at me with a big smile on his face. That's a tip off right there. That's the, that's the smile of resistance. Mm. And he says, I lied. Brilliant. Yeah. Smart little boy. You did exactly what you needed to do to keep your integrity. But I have a saying, adaptive then, maladaptive now. You're not that little four-year-old. Your wife is not your father. So we float all of this. True story. They come back two weeks later, hand in hand, all smiles, we're cured, we're done. 
okay, I say, there's a story here. What's the story? He says his wife sent him last weekend to the grocery store to get 12 things. True to form, he comes home with 11. She says to him, where's the pumpernickel? He says, every muscle and nerve in my body was screaming to say they were out of it. And in this moment, I took a breath, I summoned my courage, I looked at my wife, and I said, I forgot the pumpernickel. And she burst into tears. True story. And she said, I've been waiting for this moment for 25 years. Mm. That's recovery. So relevant. Yes. That's what we're looking for. That's a moment of transformation. Yeah. It takes courage. You really illustrate in the book how much courage those moments take. It's not easy to change. My wife Belinda calls these moments moments of relational heroism. Exactly. Yes, makes sense. And it does. It demands courage. And it's up to us therapists, coaches, teachers, healers, to walk alongside that man in that moment and spiritually put our arms around him and let him know he's not alone. And the dreaded thing that happened to him back then is not going to happen to him now. And we're with him. And that's what we can give to them. Yeah, so important. Reminds me of how much, how beautifully you use self-disclosure in the book. And I really, I appreciate that so much. You're modeling so much vulnerability and um, the work that you've done, but you talk about putting your adaptive little boy behind you and saying, I'll engage with this challenge with my wife. You, I'll protect. I will protect you. I have little Terry's about eight. He's a composite. I know him very well. I put him back behind me. Belinda's mad. And I will say, I will protect you from Belinda's anger. You are safe back there. That's my part of the deal. Here's your part of the deal. Don't deal with Belinda. You let me. <laughs> You'll make a mess of it. And we have a deal. And literally, and I teach my clients to do this too. Literally, when Belinda's mad at me, I will take little Terry, I will envision him behind me, I will protect him, and I'll do some breathing. And rather than let him answer, because he's a fighter, he'll fight. I take a breath, and I can say something like, honey, I'm sorry you feel bad. Uh, I don't want you to feel bad. Is there something I can say to help you feel better? And I, the wise adult, am able to say that to her. That little eight-year-old is no more capable of saying that than flying to the moon. So the first order of business is my getting straight with myself uh, and then uh, bringing my best self into that heated moment with my wife. I have eight million sayings, and one of them is, maturity comes when we deal with our inner children and don't foist them off on our partners that deal with. Mm. Beautiful. Terry, does your book, this coming book, was it written for psychotherapists or do you believe it's 
it's comprehensible and uh, at reach for pu the public, general public? All of my books are written for the general public with uh, uh, a lot packed in for therapists to learn and come along mm -hmm. uh, as well. I like to say I always write two books. Uh, one is without the notes and two is with the notes. I've got 60 pages of notes and I have a running commentary in the back of the book, which is a, probably more, a more interest to therapists. Uh, so the bulk of the book is for the general public. I, um, I'm very proud of the writing. I think it's very alive, engaging writing uh, for a general reader, uh, but there's it's chock full of uh, information and insight for we therapists as well. Both. Yeah, this is a this is almost a uh, a paradigm changing book. I feel like people really need to read it. One of the one of the themes I connected with a lot and appreciated was when you talked about the privileged, oblivious. Um, you know that idea. I, I wonder if you could say more about it before. I... Well, for those of you who uh, know my work. One of the things that distinguishes RLT from other therapies is that we don't just uh, work with uh, issues of shame, one down. You know, for 50 years, psychotherapy has helped people come up from the one down of shame. Blessed work. We also work on helping people come down from the one up of grandiosity, superiority, entitlement. And if you're working on relationships, I believe you have to do both. And uh, working with grandiosity has been a much neglected uh, aspect of the field. We simply don't help people uh, learn how to come down from that uh, self-righteous or contemptuous entitled. or entitled uh, parts of us. And those parts of us do great damage in our relationship. You know, we're not just victims. Uh, we also inflict damage, it's both. And so uh, taking on privilege obliviousness is a phrase a friend of mine came up with for men, it's about patriarchy. And uh, it's um, the guy who comes home, uh, says, hi, hon, how are you? Steps over a pile of dirty diapers and gives his wife a kiss and says, what's for dinner? And it's like, hello, how about the diapers? Anybody home? And we men for a millennia have had the privilege of not having to notice. And so I talk to the men I work with about learning to become what I call family men, learning to pay attention and show up for our families in ways that are really new for patriarchy and good for us. It's good for us to be intimate, we guys. It's good for us to open our hearts. It's good for us to be more sensitive. Across the board, I believe that women all over the West are asking of men that we be more sensitive, that we be more emotional, that we show up more in our relationships and be less selfish. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, we side with the women who are asking for this. We're not neutral. We say, this is good. We, we want you guys to stand up and meet these new demands. Let me take you by the hand 
and teach you how to do it. Terry, another good medicine coming on a chapter you call Fierce Intimacy, Soft Power. Yeah. Can you tell us more about these? Well, those are two key concepts that I go into in the book and in the workshop. Fierce intimacy means that you take each other on, that you don't let things fester. So many of the couples that I treat have stopped grabbing each other by the collar and saying, these things have to be attended to, I'm not happy. We do it, a few, and with good reason we stop doing it. We stop doing it because we don't have the skills to do it in a way that works. Yeah. So we try to confront our partners, but we do it out of our adaptive child yes. through yes. the losing strategies, and it doesn't work. So fierce intimacy is about telling the truth to each other with love in a way that clears the air and gets you more of what you want. Most of the couples I treat have settled. They don't take each other on. They think that they're accepting, but really resentment is building up. Sexuality and passion dries up and, um, and they get more distant. So the first order of business is learning how to really take each other on. The second order of business is how to do it in a way that has a snowball chance in hell of working. And that's where soft power comes in. I talk about a paradigm shift issue. Under patriarchy, you can either be powerful or you can be connected, but you can't be both at the same time. Let me say that again. Under, under patriarchy, you can be connected, accommodating, affiliative, quote-unquote feminine, or you can be powerful, assertive, independent, quote-unquote masculine, but you can't be both at the same time because power is power over, not power with. When you step into power, you step out of the relationship. And this new model that I'm teaching both men and women I feel is literally a new paradigm for our culture and is how to stand up for yourself, be assertive and stand up for the relationship and cherish your partner all in the same breath. Mm -hmm. Most often when people step into their power, they stop cherishing their partner and their relationship. And that's a loser. We can do better. So it's, for example, the difference between saying, Annabelle, I don't like how you're talking to me, which is fair. It's an individual way of talking versus saying, Annabelle, I want to hear what you have to say. Could you change the way you're speaking so that I can listen to it? Two ways of saying the same thing, equally powerful. But one cherishes you and the relationship, and the other doesn't. One's about me and my rights, and one's about us and how we can work better. So I teach the art in great detail of how to assert yourself, how to stand up for yourself, and empower your partner at the same time. 
And I think it's brand new for our culture. I don't think anybody knows how to do that. And you do it yourself as a therapist. And you teach other therapists how to do it. Yes, that's a very good insight. Yes, I confront people about what they're doing, what the adaptive child part of them is doing that consistently blows their foot off. And I do it in a way that is so loving, so on their side, so pulling for them that the client trusts me more because of the confrontation than they did before. I call this joining through the truth. And it's an art. I have a two-year training program. And truthfully, it takes a good two years to learn how to do this well. Um, Let me show you what you're doing that will never get you what you want. And let me teach you how to do it better. It's really about the therapist circumventing the protectors and managers and making a um, uh, an alliance with the self-led part of the person. Now, at the end of so many interviews, both I and other RLT therapists sound something like this. Tisha, you're a good woman. I have been with women who are not good to the bone. They're called sociopaths. And man, they're cold. But you're not. You're warm. You're connected. You take in what I say. I feel connected to you. You know what's so sad? Role play Tisha, not the real Tisha. Role play Tisha, who's been a sex addict and a chronic liar and a cheat for 30 years. You know what's so sad, I would say? I am talking to a decent person who has behaved indecently for the last 30 years. Will you let me rescue the real you from this nonsense? Who says no to that? And indeed, they don't. They don't say no. They say, yes, help me. Help me be the decent person I really am. Sounds like you're really good at keeping the eye, keeping your eye on the prize of connection. That's right. I, um, I am uh, talking directly to the wise adult part of you that is a decent person. You know, no bad parts. It is a de- that that does want to do well. And I'm saying, let's extricate you from all this nonsense you've gotten into. And it's you and me dealing with those adaptive child parts of you. You and me dealing with the grandiose, selfish part of you, for example, or the abusive part of you, or the irresponsible part of you, or the codependent, you know, manipulative part of you. Let's you and I work together to bring the real you into the forefront so that you can live the way you want to. Do you ever get any backlash from those managers? From Yeah, I'm not perfect. And yeah, <laughs> there are people who don't want to play. When I'm dealing with a very, the, the backlash will be usually from somebody's grandiosity. Oh, yeah. uh, or it could be the more, enabling side you know is vulnerable i have a saying i want the uh, the uh, weak to stand up i want the mighty to melt i want those parts of you that are in the one-up grandiose position to come down off your high horse 
I want those parts of you that are in the desperate enabling position to grow some self-esteem and uh, deal with your abandonment wounds and have some faith. It takes uh, courage to be assertive if you're in the one downside. It takes courage to be sensitive and responsive if you're in the one up grandiose side. And there are people who just don't apply. Uh, they didn't come to therapy to change. They came to therapy because somebody dragged them or Sure. I had a guy um, back when back in the day when I was doing uh, uh, personal, you know, in-person work, and we were getting checks at the end of the session. He was an alcoholic, and I confronted him on his alcoholism and told him that he was going to lose his wife, who was sitting there, saying he was going to lose her if he didn't do something about his drinking. And at the end of the session, he ripped up his check into little bits like confetti and blew it in my face and then walked out the door. So the magic doesn't always work. It's important for therapists to know that. I'm not Zeus. Sometimes it doesn't work. Terry, you are in this courageous and creative crusade of helping couples to find a better connection and relationship now, I guess, for three or four decades. Yes. Are you enjoying your work with couples more and more or finding it more and more effective? And are we as therapists better equipped nowadays for helping our clients' relationships? I think we are better equipped. I think that 20 years of uh, revolutionary work, insight technique on trauma Yeah. Uh, has really shifted the landscape. Yep. I think that there are many people now, I consider myself one, Gabor Mate is another, Dick uh, Schwartz, who are replacing a power and control harshness with compassion and loving firmness. Uh, I still believe that there, there, uh, there's a place for loving firmness particularly in dealing with the grandiose parts of us. But we're not, we're not struggling uh, with difficult parts of ourselves in the way that we did in psychotherapy for years. We're trying to understand those parts yeah. and have compassion for them at the same time uh, demoting them in some ways, giving them less power. Uh, so I think as a field, we're becoming more humane and more sophisticated. That's right. Um, but in terms of the culture at large, I think the culture is at war. I think that there are progressive elements that are about relationship, compassion, kindness. Uh, and there are uh, conservative elements I don't even want to demean the word conservative with them. There are non-progressive elements that are uh, very much about the reassertion of the strongman, patriarchy, autocracy, uh, power and control, yeah. hate, division. Yeah. And I think these two elements are really at war right now. And I, 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 I don't mean to whatever, but I literally believe the fate of democracy 
and the fate of our planet will be determined by which of these two parts of us wins. So as a field, I think we're more humane in the field of psychotherapy. As a culture, as a species on this planet, I think that there are progressive forces that are waking up and there are retrogressive forces that are uh, very savage. And uh, I think that we're at battle with each other right now. So there's a long way to go. Yeah. Seems like your work with the family and creating more loving environments on the home front is a, a big step towards shifting that dynamic culturally yeah. and worldwide. Yeah, Tisha, everything you say is so insightful, I got to tell you. Uh, and, and that, you too, Annabelle. But uh, 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 one of the things I say, Tisha, is we may not be able to bring peace to the Ukraine or to the Middle East, but we can bring peace to our bedrooms and living rooms. Yeah. Start yeah. there. And we can bring peace between our ears. Let's start there. So uh, it's all the same thing to me, letting go of this individualistic power control madness and realizing that we are a part of nature and it's our job to cooperate with nature. And that shift is the same shift whether we're talking about climate change at a global level or whether we're talking about how you speak to your partner when you're triggered. It's exactly the same thing. It's learning to live relationally on this planet. Harry, what is coming for you the coming weeks? Is there something you'd like to share with us? Yeah, all sorts of things are going on. I feel very blessed. This Monday, the New York Times in the well section, W-E-L-L, is running a Q&A with me about the book, if you're interested. Uh, on June 9th uh, at uh, 7 o'clock Eastern time, uh, the wonderful Gwyneth Paltrow uh, and I will be uh, doing an evening together on us, us consciousness. Um, my whole school training has been completely revamped. Please come to my website if you're interested in learning more about RLT therapy. Uh, and I will be doing the first ever US workshop online uh, for both couples, individuals, and therapists. Uh, and that's going to be, that starts June 14th and goes into uh, July. Uh, and of course, the book, the book. is launched uh, June 7th. Amazing. And we have a promotion. Uh, if you buy the book, the first week it comes out, uh, you will get one of my online workshops for free. So go to my website, terryreal.com, just by name, T-E-R-R-Y-R-E-A-L. Maybe you guys can put a link or two. Yeah, on the show notes, on yes. On your website and investigate the US workshop uh, and training with us in uh, doing some of Amazing. this Amazing. Thank you, Terry, again. Congratulations on all we are doing and your new book. And thank you so much for having us and for helping us with your wisdom and experience. 
was a joy to be here with you and teacher, and we hope we can keep meeting. Oh, thank you. I, you know, I'm very fond of uh, IFS and the IFS community. And speaking with you is like, uh, it starts at a, a level up from where I speak to most people. You already Thank understand you. three quarters of what I'm saying to begin with. And uh, it's a great joy to be with you. Uh, I love your presence, both of you. And uh, you have a very wonderful energy. And uh, I wish you well in continuing to do the work you're doing with this podcast. Thank you so much, Terry. Terry, and thank you for, for the gift of your book. Thank you. And all your wisdom. Thank you.